Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to Schoolhouse Cracked. As usual, I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Motor Chandler, uh, career uh, guidance counselor, educator, and now professor uh, here in the Pikes Peak region. Uh, and with me, as always, is Mr. Brett Derrickson, longtime educator, teacher, school administrator, school leader, and uh, educational thought leader. Um, so welcome back. Uh, as you can see, we continue to adapt, improve, take yep. feedback. Um, and so hopefully our, our, our sound, our, our video quality are coming through loud and clear. We appreciate the feedback, and we appreciate your audience engagement and letting us know how we can do better. Um, yeah. so, so today, uh, Brett, we are um, revisiting a topic um, that we've kind of hinted on in other episodes, um, but with school uh, starting here shortly, um, you know, we're right now in the heart of July, and we know many schools in the West are starting to, to get welcome staff back here shortly, but uh, a, a topic that's been kind of paramount over the last uh, couple of years, especially coming out of COVID, but parent and teacher collaboration. Amen. And as a, as a veteran educator and as a parent, I know you uh, see this from both lenses. Yeah, for sure. Again, I always like, as you know, I like to go back. Let's go all the way back. So what memories, uh, Marcus, do you have of your involvement or your parents' involvement or what they, how did, how did they support your education? How did they step up to the plate proverbially if you, if you needed help? What, what do you remember? God, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, gosh, both my parents, um, uh, mil career military officers, mm -hmm. and so that's a different household you grow up in. Um, and a different expectation for appreciation of school, engagement in learning. But um, I, I was kind of that typical kid where uh, uh, hands-off approach unless something came up or maybe as a third grader I came home with a, a story that sounded a little odd and my parent maybe had a question. Um, you know, uh, I, I, pro I think I remember in fourth grade um, my whole class had managed to piss off the teacher <laughs> And that's in the days of uh, marbles in the jar. Your mm. class does something good, you get a marble in the jar. When mm. the jar is full, you get a pizza party. Yeah. Um, but if you really mess something up, you lose some marbles. And in this case, the teacher was so upset because we had treated our substitute teacher so poorly. She came in the next day and dumped all the marbles out of that jar. Uh, and we were just in shock. Like you would think like our dogs all collectively died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going home and telling that story to my parents, and I, I'm going to misremember exactly what I said, but I, it, what I said must not have put that teacher in a positive light, an otherwise great teacher. And so my parents, rightfully so, I think at that point, knew they probably weren't getting the full story from their son, called the teacher, and the teacher clearly explained that we threw spitballs at the substitute teacher. <laughs> so my parents said, thank you. And ended that conversation. And not only did I have consequences at school, now I had consequences at home. Yeah. And so that was one of those instances where my parents collaborating with the teacher was actually awful for me in the short term, but wonderful for my long-term learning, knowing that who I am at school needs to be the same person I am at home. And my teacher and my parents are talking uh, to, to try to grow me as a human being. Yeah. So how, how about you? I know, yeah. I know we've talked over the years about some stories and uh, and your parents and specifically your dad yeah. and kind of his real different approach into um, collaborating with teachers and talking about school. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, not to get into it too much, but I come from a split home. I have yeah. three older brothers. Uh, I don't think any of us uh, treated our education in, in K through 12 um, with an ounce of respect. Uh, if, if you weren't, I think we've all been guilty of that at some point. If yeah. you weren't an athletics uh, uh, coach, uh, if you were a teacher, um, the Derrickson boys were, were hard on the learning environment. Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that 
family communication often came first from the school. Yeah, we've yeah. T- we've talked a lot in different contexts, but but at least in in my household, my my parents' uh, assumption first was what whatever the children or myself were telling them was a lie, mm-hmm. and uh, was so often a lie that it. <laughs> Even when I was telling the truth, I could at least understand why my mom or my father wouldn't understand that. Again, with my father living out of state um, for a big uh, portion of my secondary education, uh, he needed to communicate with the school from long distance um, and try to find out th- ways to support my education and to be a dad from a, from a long ways away. I think that for the 1980s and 90s, Teachers did a tremendous job of using telephones, and our schools did a good job of sending my parents uh, letters. There were times where we uh, had official reprimands. I've showed those mm-hmm. to staff. Uh, there are also times where we were celebrated uh, for athletics or other things, and they did a really great job of, of mailing things home. I just, I just bring that up because it goes back to that kind of digital uh, time stamp that we've talked about the about digital divide yeah. yeah and how how things are accessible i think one of the real struggles that we're seeing with parent and teacher communication is email mm-hmm. uh, and and how how written communication can come across um how we don't understand each other's tone mm-hmm. uh we don't understand each other's intention our language usage between teachers and families um i get to see as an administrator now not only the uh, communications that I have between parents, um, but I get to see such a range mm-hmm. because eventually I get copied on it or replied all or forwarded to. Mm-hmm. And really, we could do a whole episode uh, on best practices for, for, email for an email exchange. <laughs> uh, certainly. But here's, you know, my tale from the trench today is I hope it doesn't come across in any way, shape, or form as being critical of a child, a parent, or a teacher. It is simply a context. Um, at our school, uh, we had a, a teacher who is really jovial and, and witty and uh, gives a, a heap of feedback, of performance feedback. Mm-hmm. So many things this teacher does well to help students learn and grow on a daily yeah. basis. Exactly what you want in a great teacher. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just a sense of humor and a sarcastic sense of humor in middle mm-hmm. school. My guess is that if he were a high school teacher, he might not run into any, any problems. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, uh, his jokes and and jokes to an individual or sac- sarcasm to an individual in front of the whole group gets um, gets him in a in boiling water. Well, and so, and, and, yeah, and students at, at that developmental age are, are still learning the context of, of sarcasm. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, and going back again to teacher retention, keeping teachers and things. This this is something I allow this teacher. To be, I, I try mm. not to change people. Asking mm. somebody to, to be a better or different person, to operate in the challenges that we have outside of their 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 natural best disposition, mm. is a really slippery slope uh, for their for their long term success and happiness. Yeah. Um, never the the tensions are never too berate or or too hurt. Occasionally, just maybe a little bit sophisticated or poor timing. In this case, uh, um, I get an email directly from a parent to me demanding that the child be pulled out of the class immediately, even though this is the child's passion. Like, fa- like favorite teacher probably, favorite, too. Yeah. Fa- well, definitely extending this idea that this is the favorite subject. This happened. It's irrecoverable. Mm-hmm. I want them out. This has gone 
this is too sure. too much. A bridge too far. Right. And so, you know, I bring the I bring the teacher in, get the teacher's side of the story, and just simply say, email this te- this parent because they emailed you mm-hmm. that you will be calling them mm-hmm. and that you will be having a conversation as soon as you're available and have the time, place, and space to do so. At the end of the day, what I'm just simply saying, Marcus, is having a phone call with the, with the parent, mm-hmm. having a chance to let them hear your tone of voice, um, tell your story, is 110% uh, better than explaining yourself, backtracking, or mm-hmm. doing anything through mm-hmm. email. Right. So if, if that's the tale from the, tale from the trenches today, it comes with the first lesson, um, which is... Let's be people again. Whether you're whether you're a parent, you're a child, or you're the teacher, if you can get face to face, get face to face. If you can't, at least get voice to voice. That way, you can hear uh, the heart, the head, and the heart of the person, um, regardless if that's the child points the voice that needs to be yeah. heard the most, or the parents' concerns that need to be heard the most, or the teacher who needs to share a bigger uh, context and understanding. Um, that's my kind of tale from the tell from the trenches yeah there's two key takeaways there it sounds is is you know one obviously we miss so much we miss out on so much that constitutes all of communication when we do an email um it, it, this is a timely i'm we didn't talk about this beforehand but your tale from the trench in regard to that email exchange is great i i was actually talking to my graduate students today um and we were talking about the the nuances of communication and how nonverbal communication and tone and 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 perceived intent in tone can only come across from an in-person interaction and those are all lost via email especially if you're somebody who um, in the case of that teacher maybe is by nature a sarcastic person i love sarcasm but i have to be really mindful when i use it Um, the other lesson is it sounds like and something that is an extension of this is those emails that go back and forth like i know you see by the time they get to your desk or email inbox they're typically probably two or three or four replies between the, the teacher and the parent. And so at what point then when that does, comes across your desk, then then you actually intervene? Yeah, excellent. But that's, I, I would say if I'm speaking directly to, to families, regardless if the communication is uh, large or small, introductory or uh, minor concern or first concern mm-hmm. or major, it, it just, it, it doesn't matter. The first thing I, I would like to say is go directly to the source mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, every time we get into a telephone game no, moment no matter how many times we pull in or, or skip the chain what mm-hmm. we and in our schools around here folks you know the our culture around our region is so military based that we use the phrase chain of command mm-hmm. whether or not uh, whether or not we're military mi- yeah. yeah so the the point is, is is stick with the chain of command so go directly to the source the first one is go directly to your child mm-hmm. and ask ask really good uh, questions or follow-up questions ask them like if my favorite question to ask uh, uh, my my students and my students who are in my office for disciplinary reasons is when I go speak to your yes, teacher, yes. <laughs> what will they say about yeah. this exact situation? Yeah. If I were to ask a peer, you yeah. know, ask those questions and go go right to your kid, and then from from the kid, go right go right to the teacher. I want to I want to jump in there though. Yeah. From my experience, and I'm curious about yours, when you pose that question to a kid, whether it's a student or your own child. Um, 
how often is like a percentage would you say when you say I'm going to talk to your teacher, what are they going to say? Does the initial story change a little bit? Oh, every time. Every time. Yeah. Every time. At least a what? You know, <laughs> from the very like of that kind of like yeah. puppy dog tweak of the head, yeah. like how, uh, there how, it is. What direction yeah. am I going to go with this one? All the way up to well, I'm not exactly sure anymore. I, well, hear me out. You know, in in the backtracking. So as a parent, you you already come armed with a lot more information, yeah. both about the story and then knowing that you might not be getting the whole story from your own child. Right. And it doesn't make your child a liar. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually doesn't mean they're not even leaving things out on purpose. Uh, it's just how they perceived the situation in the moment. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. They're extraordinarily emotional. Yeah. Let's just use sports, for example. You and I could be watching the exact sports game. Mm. One of us is really not interested in the outcome. One of <laughs> us is heavily invested in one of the teams. Yeah. How does that change our perceptions of referees' calls? Yeah. I, I'm going to miss those referees' calls because I'm probably more interested in the commercials. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, too, with a kid in their memory and with the teachers, mm. they're going to remember how bad and egregious the play mm. was when there was many more things going on. Well, and, and developmentally, you hit at a really important point there. Um, if you or I as adults were in the in that same situation, you know, we we might have a better recollection of that event. Yeah. But but developmentally, a, a, a preteen or a teen. Um, when they're at the height of an emotional reaction to a situation, immediately go into protectionist mode, and their recall actually almost goes to zero yeah. because everything they recall is rooted in that emotion that they've assigned to that event. And so that's just developmentally I want to remind both parents and teachers of is that a student's ability to recall a situation as it happened is very rarely going to be 100% accurate because of the emotional uh, reaction and emotion they've assigned to that event knowing they don't have that scope of practice in, in emotionally uh, uh, tense situations yeah. as an adult does. So. Well, and after those follow-up uh, questions, you know, my suggestion is what I, with, with my students yeah. and with my, my children, as that would be a better example, I'll say to my son, okay, I'm not judging your emotion. You're, you're upset or you're mm -hmm. hurt or you're let down. That's clear. Can I just get the facts in order here. Mm. When did you turn in the assignment? Mm. Or when did you find out yeah. you had getting the, the order zero? of events? Yeah. yeah. Like, like son, I'm going to talk to the teacher. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to attack them and I'm not going to attack you, but I do need to be able to present the facts to them as you presented them to me mm. and allow them to present the facts back to me as in their, in their order. So again, that's, so ask your children, the follow-up questions, mm. uh, go directly to the, the source. Mm -hmm. But going back to your original question, by the time it gets uh, to the administrator, at that point in time as a school, and this goes back to our last episode, I know we have a problem. Mm -hmm. Re regardless if the problem started off as yeah. minor, or if there's a yeah. simple solution, or there's gonna need to be a series of steps in yeah. order for us to repair things, by the time it gets to a third, fourth party, especially up that chain, mm. what we know now is that we, we have a problem. Mm. Um, and, 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 and that typically the problem, the original problem is no longer the problem. Right. Yeah. Now the original problem is the, the, the lack of communication yes. or the perception of the communication. Yeah. And the harm, the, the, what is now the relationship? Somehow the relationship has changed either between students or between mm. the student and the teacher, whatever the concern is we know that there's been a significant uh, relationship change. That that inevitably needs to be repaired. That has yeah. to be, yeah, that has to be repaired. Relationship between student and teacher, mm -hmm. student and parent in some yeah. cases, 
in more often than not teacher and parent. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 you and I talked about the need for this as a as a conversation, you know, just to be forthright with with the the audience and the community that we are in a position in in our perspective where we're looking for the community to assume best intentions of the school. Like this is you know, we schoolhouse cracked is is a we are looking at the things in school that need to be repaired. Mm. And a lot of them are in the school. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they are, they have to do with, with leadership and approach to learning and mm. what we're trying to get out of learning. And the community approach to learning. That's yeah. right. And in this, in this case, what one of the like stances we do have to take is, I, I have run into maybe two or three people, colleagues or, or, or teachers I've supervised, who I really don't think care about kids. Over the course of your yeah. entire career, That's two right. is I'm two is about, not on the yeah, so I'm statistical talking about significance hundreds radar. To thousands of, yeah. of of adults. Mm -hmm. Do I know adults that ha have executed things poorly? Do I know adults have unintentionally um, hurt kids? Do I know adults that need to have a change in, in, in their role in a school, or maybe even often, mm -hmm. not often, but sometimes a change out of schools? Yes. The school is on the side of the kids, though. That's mm -hmm. that's why we go in there. Mm -hmm. And so as you communicate with your school, do know that your school is for your kid. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's just no rational benefit to an unhappy, unsatisfied uh, student that's not getting their learning needs met or their social and emotional needs met. It has a, it's like a, a pebble in a pond. It has a ripple effect within the school culture. There's no benefit. We don't defeat kids. And that's something I remind folks of all the time is uh, everybody got into education because they like kids. Uh, very rarely do you see somebody who got into education because they just really love calculus. Yeah. Like that's typically not the case. They <laughs> yeah. got into education because they love kids. Yeah. Um, and so then that goes to kind of a bit to the advice from a teacher perspective. And, you know, I, I whenever I have a new or young teacher um, or a new or young counselor, that's something I always uh, just wait for. It's a bit of advice that you can't give in advance because they're not going to hear it. Yeah. And, and it typically takes them stepping in the mud, stepping in it in a situation like this for them to finally hear the advice. But it's, if you're going to send an email where you re expect a response from a parent or you expect an ongoing dialogue via email, it needs to be a phone call. Yeah. Um, for the sake of email in a school setting, st stick to the facts. You know, we have an upcoming test on Friday. Mm -hmm. Just make sure your kid gets a great night of sleep. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, uh, he has one missing assignment. I'll accept it for the remainder of the month. Mm -hmm. The minute you start to send an email regarding student observations of student behavior or observations of student peer interactions, you are absolutely going to get a response, and that response is almost never going to be in agreement. Yeah. There's always going to be some additional context, and that additional context is always best heard over the phone. Yeah. And so that's something I've seen in the course of my career, and I know, Brett, you've been in there longer than I have. Um, but, uh, you know, use of email for parent communication, mass communication, didn't, didn't exist when I started in public ed. We all had phones, and the expectation was we called. And now we have these mass communication tools online through our learning management systems where parents, we as educators, send you these communications and you can send them back vice versa. So that, depending on where you're at, the phone in the classroom has died. The expectation of a phone in the department office or a phone in the teacher's lounge has died. 
And, uh, and I think schools have enabled that by not continuing to have access to phones yeah. and also limiting the, the number of opportunities for parents to engage teachers formally through things like back-to-school nights, parent-teacher conferences. Um, because before email, phones and parent-teacher conferences were the primary means of communication between parent and teacher. Yeah. And if it, to just underscore that, if it matters, make it personal. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have that's, uh, that's a good way to put it. all kinds of, of threads with, with groups of friends or with my brothers in different places. But if I need to say something that really matters to one of them, I'm not going to send a mass text or a mass email to all of them. Sometimes you just got to call your mom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to check in with your brother or your sister. And when it comes to your students, um, teachers, you will save uh, so much time. Uh, Dr. Motor Chandler has an, an important analogy that he uses as, as he leads uh, students and teachers and er everyone else um, about store, storing up your collateral. Mm -hmm. But communicating, one of the things you cannot do, teachers, here, here's one for you. Here's a, here's a just uh, stop doing if, you, if you're doing it or a never do if you haven't done it yet. <laughs> uh, but don't, don't call up a parent or wait for a parent to, to get into a conference or get into a situation where you do have regular challenges with their student and tell them they always do this or they're always late or they're always a disruption or they, they, they may frequently be a problem. Mm -hmm. But if they're hearing it for the first time from you and it's an always or they frequently do and you haven't communicated with them, you've lost your ground to ask the parent to be a real partner in that situation. Absolutely. So communicate early and communicate often. If you communicate early, you know, they've been late to class three times, which is kind of new. I love having them there. Also being late, it's not just about missing that bell ringer, which is mm -hmm. important, but it's also, you know, they come in with a lot of personality, they're a little disruptive. I just wanted to give you a heads up and see maybe if you had any suggestions. Mm -hmm. But if you wait until it's become a problem with your dean of students or you've talked to your assistant principal or your teammates about it, you haven't communicated early enough. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, you know, I talked about in a previous episode is money in the bank. You know, you're making deposits. And so everything we've talked about so far has really been under the assumption that these communications are negative, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, wor that's worst case scenario where something's happened or we need to communicate something that, um, you know, might not be perceived well. And I know, and I've heard from many young teachers and many even veteran teachers, teachers of 20, 25 years who say like, I'm just scared to call home. Mm -hmm. um, so one is just learning to be comfortable with conflict and having a script for that conversation. And inevitably it'll go off script, but it gives you some initial talking points. But when I talk about money in the bank, um, this goes for both parents and teachers is, is calling home one to just, or, and, and parents calling the school just to share information. So it doesn't have to be positive or negative necessarily. Um, but I mean, I, I think of some of the insights I've had in my career because I've had a parent reach out to me and just say like, hey, Johnny's uh, a dog, family, the family dog died over the weekend and we've had that dog for, since he was born. That he's gonna have an emotional reaction to that. Is that something I would know unless Johnny offered up to me? Probably not. Um, and if I'm not asking him specifically about like, how was your weekend or, or I don't have that time in my instruction, that's going to give me a, an idea of how I can expect to greet Johnny at my door. And, and teachers, same thing. You know, I've seen Johnny engage in this behavior in class. Like, mom, I know you're the expert on him. You have him at home every night. What are you seeing? Is there anything going on? Is there any, any way we can collaborate on this? So I might do something in class. Yeah. Um, and, and so the assumption when we talk about parent-teacher communication collaboration is it's either always positive or negative. Yeah. And, and I would argue that, that the meat of this issue is really just in that 
that safe, neutral communication yeah. where it's just a matter of sharing information for the benefit of the child. Yeah. Yeah. That is that that's not something I predicted uh, you sharing with the audience, but that's just something I I agree with uh, a thousand percent. The, you know, the I don't know what show it was when I was growing up we used to say it's you know, its tagline was the more we know. Mm hmm. And truly, uh, truly, the more we know. I think about, that was a PSA with the rainbow. <laughs> I, I can picture it. It is, but the the truth of the matter is, is that's that's what Schoolhouse Crack is telling the teachers in the community out there: is be communicative, uh, be informing. Um, sharing information is not totally neutral. Even sharing neutral information does though say I care. It means mm -hmm. I see your child. Yeah, it says I yeah. care about your child. Uh, sharing information with your teacher means I trust you with my child. In every way, sharing information is building a relationship, mm -hmm. and that is supportive of students' on, um, education. That's a, that's a good distinction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing, though, I will say, you know, since I'm pointing my finger and giving the, the straight <laughs> finger line, tonight, yeah, uh, administrators help your staffs with those scripts, mm -hmm. and also help those your staff with those expectations that they communicate um, via phone call. Mm -hmm. It'll keep things off of your desks and your computer tops uh, as well, but that, uh, that assumption that we all know how to communicate with every stakeholder on the planet has culturally been disproven it, at mm -hmm. the very least in, in the last uh, few years in mm -hmm. our, our society. We, we are wearing shirts that say, be kind. We are trying to you know, repair divisions in, in all kinds mm -hmm. of different sectors. But the truth of the matter is a lot of it comes down to communication. Absolutely. I, I'm not interested uh, in making a judgment about you or other friends or other people based on their political ideologies. I'm certainly not going to hire teachers and ask uh, political or economic or religious-based questions. No. I simply don't care, and I know that it's not useful. But the point of the matter is, is that teaching each other how to communicate, giving each other the tools to stick to facts, uh, knowing when to get out of a conversation, folks. Mm. If, if you're being sworn at by by somebody, it's a pretty good time to say, I really can tell that we're not having uh, an opportunity yeah. to touch base right now. Can I check back in with you yeah. another time? Or my administrator will give you a call. It sounds like you have mm -hmm. a real strong issue with yeah. me that needs to be addressed um, by uh, my supervisor. But just knowing uh, how to start a conversation, how to carry the mm -hmm. middle, and how, how to end it, if it, it, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, and, that, and that's something I'll just hammer home and, and, and agree with wholeheartedly is just like anything else, when we're teaching kids or parents, you're working on building a skill at home or a character trait, um, it's practice. It's, it's the iterative cycle of continuing to engage in the process, get feedback, and get better. And so by, by allowing a fear of, of addressing conflict via communication home, or, or parents home to the school, that is continuing to enable that fear to consume your inability to grow in that skill. Yeah. And, and so it's uncomfortable. I call it, it's not, it's not a terrifying, but it's also not warm and fuzzy. I call it that scratchy area. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to do it, but do we know it's probably going to be in the best interest if we engage in that in a yeah. genuine way? Absolutely. So um, don't, don't fear that conflict. Conflict is natural and normal, especially to learning and supporting our children. So um, those phone calls home, uh, the, the phone calls from home to the school are really important to collaborating in the best interest yeah. of your child. And I, I've never, I, I, I can't say never, but I can count on one hand the times where a well-intentioned communication from the school to home or home to school didn't work out in the interest of the child. Yeah. Um, and, and that's over the course of my career, one hand. So continue to engage uh, with, with your children in that regard. And, and, and know that 
the, the, like as Brett said, the chain of command exists for a reason because ultimately 99% of these things can be worked out by two well by a well-intentioned parent and a well-intentioned teacher yeah. having that phone call. And if it gets to the point of going to an administrator or even the central office, which we've seen, you know, that it, that's not always working in the best interest of the child. Obviously there are going to be some high level things that need to go there. Yeah. Um, but, but like Brett said, go to the source, um, Teachers go to the parents, parents go to the child. Yeah, and, and I, I'll say uh, just a few bits more additional to that, just different pieces. One is I always tell teachers, make the phone call home, mm -hmm. and at the very least, you know if you have a friend or an ally in the future. So if you mm -hmm. call home they never, and you leave a message and they never call back, well, now maybe you, you, you do use your school resources um, earlier on. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, the very first phone call tells you whether or not you've got someone who's going to be in partnership with you with, with, right. with, the, with the child. Uh, families, that's the same thing to your teacher. If you called all seven of your kids' teachers, you're not going to feel great about all seven people. That's, mm. that's something that we, we... That's human nature. It is. Yeah. It is. But at least now you know I've got a real ally here. This person can not only help my child with this course in a secondary school, but maybe they'll be able to help them look after them and in, in, in other areas. So again, you know, make that uh, initial phone call. The other thing is just a couple of basic rules. One that we call the 24 hour, hour rule. 24 hour rule. You know, it's yeah. typical about like when you're upset with you, your child's coach or something, uh, when, when emotions are high, uh, you, when your child comes home or maybe they text you right from class, especially if they text you right from school from class, give the teacher some time. There's several reasons why, and it's not just about you know, being just just parent. just logistical reasons. Right, yeah. right. They're teaching a bunch of different classes. They're not going to get back to you right away, even if they've made a mistake that's not great for your child, and you're sure of it. They still, you know, if it's first period, they still have six classes to teach, and and we still need them to do their best. Uh, you know, throughout and the day. Yeah. So six classes. So yeah, it, it, I know in in your school there's a, a plan period and a and a professional learning community period, and so that's two periods where the teacher doesn't have students in front of them planning period you know is, is 50 minutes that are available to them and professional learning community time they're actually planning with their colleagues um, in a formal community so there is an expectation yeah. by schools to do that so if I'm a teacher that has a first or second period plan that means I'm teaching my classes the entire day and then I might be a coach or a club sponsor so the first time I'm even gonna see that parent email is possibly 7 p.m. and so I might respond to that you know during my lunch break tomorrow. Yeah. And so um, so parents, please know that more often than not, the teacher's not avoiding that communication. They just haven't had dedicated time to respond to it in a meaningful way. Yeah, and they need that being time said, to if reflect. It's, yep. If it's beyond 24 hours, then I might wonder what's going on. Yeah. You know, obviously they may be sick or absent, mm -hmm. what have you. Um, but once it, once it moves beyond that, it is normal to expect that. And, and teachers, you know, when you send a, that email home and you don't get a response, same message is, is there's a lot going on at home. You know, parents are working, parents have childcare needs. Um, and, and so just giving each other some grace as parents and teachers, knowing that our communications may, may want to be responded to, but that can't always be the case just because of the way life, our schedules and the structure of a school day work. Yeah. And call and leave a message. Yeah. It doesn't have to be <laughs> a long message, but do we, we, we all know it. I've, my phone rings right now and it's, it's somebody uh, who's in my contacts. Now I start the decision-making process of, do I have to pick this up? Mm -hmm. Do I not want to pick this up? Can this wait? But if it comes across as a number I don't recognize, I'm not going to answer I'm it. not going to answer it. I'm, so, I'm tired of hearing about my car's extended warranty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's, all, it's run up, by the <laughs> oh, way. Yeah. Okay, all right. no, the point is, is do call, leave a message, uh, you, know, you know, state uh, things 
uh, quickly that we need to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a significant concern or it's not a significant concern. Uh, what, can we schedule a time uh, or whatever it is? But when it comes to those communications too, just know that they're not easy and they, no. they're not, not everybody's operating on everybody's schedule. Absolutely. So thank you for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Find us on all the popular podcast channels. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, stick with us for our next episode. We are going to be getting into kind of a hot topic with an increase in COVID rates is COVID in public schools. We've been dealing with it for several years. Um, and from the data and research we're seeing going into the fall 2022 school year, it's still going to be something that educators have to, be, have to be thinking about. All right. Let's be kind and let's communicate. Thank you, folks. Thank you for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. We'll see you later.